Hey guys, just a special little intro here before we get into the main show. Just on everything that's been going on in the world of wrestling, we felt like we need to say a couple of things before we get into our usual kind of lighthearted show. So I'm just going to throw over to Dave and he's going to hit a few points that kind of both of us feel are really important to be heard. So Dave, the floor is yours. Yeah, hi everybody. Um, this is something that we've kind of... Um we, we knew we needed to talk about we, we've been talking about how we were going to talk about it in the couple of weeks we, we've taken off so I apologise in advance if any of this kind of sounds rehearsed or whatever it's it's more that I had to write down some notes to make sure I didn't miss a lot of the things I wanted to say or that I feel needed to be said uh, on the air before we continue on so bear with me as I kind of uh, trundle through this it'll only take a couple of minutes <clears throat> so yeah as you may have seen from our twitter last week we took a week off recording the podcast and that was in light of uh, a proliferation of allegations against prominent wrestlers trainers promoters and even fans uh, allegations that included harassment physical assault gaslighting manipulation sexual harassment and sexual assault we didn't record the show last week because i think we both felt it would have been inappropriate at the time um, because it was a time to be listening and to be learning, not to distract and entertain with our clown show. And uh, quite honestly, the last thing we wanted to do last week when all this was happening was watch wrestling. Um, we had really lost our, our appetite, our taste for it, uh, understandably so with everything that was going on. Uh, our show does normally cover wrestling from 22 years ago, so it, it may be weird for some of you that were addressing things that are happening right now, but the story, it hits so close to home for us as hosts and for many people who listen to us. Uh, so it wouldn't feel right uh, for me as a person not to address it and, and Lee feels the same uh, it's tough really to find the words and it's something I've been struggling with knowing that I was going to have to say this uh, to capture the, the horror the sadness the, the nausea I felt reading countless stories of abuse that have been coming out in the last couple of weeks and how people in a position of power within wrestling and in so many different places can have perpetuated systemic abuse on an unbelievable scale of innocent people who trusted them. Uh, it really turns my stomach to think of the pain that's been happening behind the scenes in, in this hobby that I've taken comfort and solace in myself since I was six years old and Lee since he was a young fella as well. Um, I believe victims. We believe victims. I want to thank them and I admire them so much for their bravery in the last couple of weeks. I apologise personally uh, that I had to take some time away from Twitter and the internet in general last week. Um, the cumulative effect of this kind of flood of horror stories happening so soon after George Floyd and everything that followed his senseless murder with a global pandemic still ongoing and then the nature of my own job and the difficulties that brings um, was kind of overwhelming to me and was having an adverse health uh, effect on my mental health. So I needed to take a little bit of time away uh, to look after myself to make sure that I could be kind of uh, functioning. Uh, I could have been more vocal during that period and I feel a tremendous sense of guilt that I wasn't. Um, I want to reach out to everybody who hears our voices on this show and say that we're we're always here if ever you need anything, even if it's during a quiet time or anything like that. The show's DMs are always open and my own are as well. I find myself constantly asking over the last couple of weeks, like what, what I can do, what, what Lee can do, what we can all do. 
um, watching all this unfold and there's a couple of things that have kind of stuck around in my head that I've seen said much better and much more eloquently by other people so I'm just going to give a couple of examples here uh, first and foremost li listen and believe uh, coming forward accusations against somebody in a position of power in front of the whole world is absolutely fucking terrifying um, and it asks a victim to relive their own trauma uh, we um, as fans, as people, as part of this community, owe it to victims uh, to listen and to take in their stories. Don't ask stupid questions. Don't demand a name if there's no name attached to the story. Listen, believe, show them they're supported and amplify their calls for justice. Support them. Uh, there are people who have emerged as leaders from this ordeal looking to kind of change the way wrestling is run for the better. Um, there are a lot of names I'll forget because there are so many of them and the timeline is moving at 100 miles an hour. It's it's so hard to keep up. Uh, but among them, of course, there's there's Bella, Victoria, uh, Sierra Loxon, Debbie Keitel, Katie Harvey and even men like Pete Dunne and Dan Maloney. Support them and support others any way you can as they attempt to tear the abuse out of wrestling root and stem because it needs to be done. And these are the people that are looking to take a leadership role in doing that. Um, and I admire them for it. Uh, in terms of responsibility, there, there's a, a, a sentiment I've seen going around in some circles that because the overwhelming majority of abusers that are being outed are men, that what men should do is kind of politely step back and let the women handle it. Um, whereas it's positive and it is progressive to, to put women in positions of power in all promotions, in independent and non-independent wrestling, and appoint liaisons through whom abuse can be reported. It's unfair in the extreme to expect women to fix an entire industry by themselves. Men broke it in large part and now they can roll up their sleeves and help to build something new and better. Uh, expecting more is something that a lot of fans can do. Demand the highest possible standards from your local promotions and wrestling schools and, and the ones you give your money to as well, even if they're not that local. When they don't meet those expectations, let people know about it. Shout it from the rooftops. There's a maxim that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. I've seen a lot of people say that with regard to WWE in the last while. But the power of the wallet is is one even those reluctant to change in wrestling um, will understand. And choosing not to spend your money on wrestlers and promotions who make this problem worse is a powerful act by itself, even if you aren't doing anything else. Also, please if you can, just don't wash your hands of wrestling entirely. It's an understandable gut reaction to all this. It's one I had myself briefly. I didn't know for a couple of days if I could keep doing a show like this. But as has been remarked many times, if the scene dies, there's no wrestling for victims to come back to and they came forward for nothing. There's a lot more I could say. I'm kind of wrapping up here. Uh, there's a lot more I could say. There's a lot more that has been said and a lot more said by people who are better at saying it than myself or Lee could be. I wanted to finish by drawing uh, really close attention to our friends at the British Wrestling Experience over on Post Wrestling who had a show this weekend which just blew me away with our dear friend Emma G talking about uh, all of this in a much better way than us two court jesters ever could. Uh, I want to commend them on the show and Emma in general, who has been such an inspiring voice on Twitter in these past weeks. Um, listen to that show. It's absolutely essential going forward, I think, for us to understand what has happened and what needs to happen going forward. So, um, yeah, that, that's enough for me. Uh, I've gone on long enough. Uh, look after yourselves, okay? Um, anything else from you, Lee? All I can add to that is Dave... 100% speaks for both of us um, they, they will know this more than anyone else it, Like, I want to say what a week before this all broke I actually took a break off Twitter I think I was off Twitter for nearly two weeks wasn't I uh, yeah like right, right around this time yeah and like that I just coming back to this it was just so difficult and to have people like you said like, like Emma like 
Katie Harvey, Debbie Keitel, Sierra Loxton, Belle de Court, like phenomenal. And the people coming forward with their stories have been so incredibly brave, as you said. And all I can do is echo everything you just said. Like, don't walk away from this hobby. Like, wrestling has always been in my life. It's always been in your life. And there's millions of, thousands of us that have always had wrestling in our lives. And to make it better, we all need to support and be sure that we can root out all this horrible these horrible people that have ruined this hobby, that have made, I'm sure everyone has had the same thoughts we've had yeah. about walking away from it. Mm-hmm. And the only way it gets better is if we all support and help build back up the scene from the mm-hmm. bottom. It has to it has to begin all over again. Yeah. And I, I honestly can't say it any better, better than you just did. And I 100% go listen to people who are way more eloquent and have much bigger voices in this than we ever will have. Yeah, and listen to victims for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I don't think there's any more to add than that. No, uh, thanks for listening to us for the first few minutes. I know this probably wasn't what everybody was expecting at the start of the the, the chuckle at Mongo show, but uh, we appreciate you tuning in. And without further ado, a ham-fisted segue into your regularly scheduled Days of Thunder. The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the PWM, PWOM podcast network. I have to get used to that new name, Lee. I am your host, your liqueur upon Thunder Road, because there's a very boozy edition ahead of us of, of Days of Thunder, Dave Ryan. And I'm joined, uh, as always, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I'm not too bad, pal. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm all right. Apart from that really kind of, you know... Uh, dr- trickled over the line introduction there because it's been like the guts of a month since we recorded last but i'll get back into the swing of things it's, it's grand um yeah i'm, I'm all right uh, had a birthday since we've been off you did actually yeah happy birthday yeah. thank you very much <laughs> 31 years young feeling at least twice that um but uh I, I think the word has gotten out amongst my circle of uh of friends and and family who who don't listen to the show that I consume a lot of alcohol on this show because the amount of boozy <laughs> gifts that I got oh boy <laughs> yeah, I mean th- this whole thing started as a gimmick now it seems to be a lifestyle <laughs> yeah so I got um from friend of the show Jack Lazell um he said he sent me over uh, a bottle of Japanese whiskey. Oh, I'm jealous. 
Um, and I also got um from my uh from one of my partner's two brothers, I got um a a bottle of Jemison Black Barrel. Uh, for my partner, I got uh many cans of my my Chieftain Rebel Red that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a friend of the show, Alan Murray, who is my partner's other brother, uh, I he's, got. He's not a friend uh, of the show. <laughs> I'm a no. He gave me beer, so he is friend of the show. Until he uh, gives me a beer, he's not friend of the show. He has. He, he's given me a couple of cans of something to try in the coming weeks. Uh, I wanted to go for something. That his ones are kind of hoppy IPAs, but because it is hotter than the surface of the sun in my office at the moment, Lee, uh, I wanted something that I could drink rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've gone with something else entirely. More of which during the beers of thunder segment in, in a couple of minutes. But yeah, a, a very boozy birthday. A good relaxing one. Um, I took the week off podcasting in general. Um, on that week well it was an off week for us but I took the week off uh, recording Link to the Cast my other podcast as well so it was nice to spend like over a week not talking into a microphone for, for my birthday that I got to actually relax not, not, I took the week off work a, as well audacity ticking over in front of your face yeah I know um, <laughs> my usual weekly tradition of editing podcasts during AEW Dynamite was uh, didn't happen that week um, but yeah um, a decent birthday it went out to a, a, a drive through film Ah, very good. What or a drive-in film, should I say. Uh, I went to see Step Brothers, the, the Will Ferrell ah, movie, which I'd never cool. actually seen before. What? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's just something that I think I kind of... There was a while in college when I think this came out that I wasn't really going to the cinema that much. Um, There was like a period where I fell out of love with playing video games or watching films and fell in love with going to the pub um, and going to gigs. <laughs> Uh, that was during that period. Now you, now you just do it all. Yeah, and that's it. You know, you, you really can have it all sometimes. Uh, I, I came back around and like I'm a big, because I'd done like a film club thing towards the end of college and that got me really back into films. And then when I moved to my house now, I got really back into video games. But uh, it was one that just I had never gotten around to. Um, and the fact that everyone, like everyone I talked to said, oh, it's good. Like it's not like tip top feral, mm. which would be like your Anchorman's or your Talladega Nights, but it's good. And you know, when you hear people say it's not great, but it's it's good. It doesn't really fill you full of, well, I got to see that shit right now. Yeah. Um, but I saw it I, and I enjoyed it very much. I, I would agree that it's not in the, the absolute top tier uh, of Will Ferrell. Um, but it, you know, it's it's good. It's an enjoyable hour and a half. Um, and yeah, it was a good way to spend a birthday. Um, well, I mean, now now at least you get the reference of the uh, Catalina wine mixer. So yeah, I know. Like they were saying it, they said it over and over again. I was like, is that where this comes from? <laughs> <laughs> and like a lot of things started to make sense for me. Uh, how have you been, pal? I'm good. Uh, look. You mentioned it on the intro, like it, it's been a difficult couple of weeks, yeah. and but at the moment I'm feeling good. You know, work is going good, and the family are happy, and that's kind of the important stuff at the moment. So yeah. everyone's safe, nobody is sick. Thank touch wood. Yeah, and you know that that's the important stuff. We're all mm. surviving. I'm uh, returning to the office in a very limited capacity next week. Okay, um, so I've ordered one of those proper kind of masks with the replaceable filters and stuff in it because i'm going to be going back on public transport like my bus is only about a five minute journey like 10 minute journey maybe so i won't be on it that long but i still need something a bit more than the material Mm. one i bring with me to the shops so that's on the way 
Um, something you did want to talk to me about um, was I, I let out a tweet uh, the night before last. Uh, I have now watched five Fast and Furious movies <laughs> in the last 48 hours, I think. Okay, I want the ranking of the first five movies. Oh, Jesus. Now you're putting me on the spot there. Um, yeah, straight on the spot. No, no. Now, I will say, I have seen all of them before, except... I haven't seen, I haven't seen seven or eight yet, and okay. I I never saw four. Well, the first that's what I mean. The first five, the five you've watched. Yeah. So the of the five that I've watched so far, the only one I had never watched before was four. Um, the one it's, that's called Fast and Furious. And let me tell you, like, right, much as I enjoy these films, unironically and also ironically. Um, the naming convention for these films is absolutely fucking bananas. And I know they didn't know for four films that it was going to be a franchise, but it's mm-hmm. still absolutely maddening that there's no... So it's, it's The Fast and the Furious, yeah. then it's Tokyo Drift. No, no. It's The Fast and Furious, then Too Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious, sorry, yes. Tokyo Drift. Um, it's right in front of me. I don't have to try and guess. Um, Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious 5, a.k.a. Fast 5. Fast and mm-hmm. Furious 6. Um, is Fast and Furious 7 called Fast and Furious 7? It says it on the box it is. But then there's like um, the Furious 8, isn't it? And then the the one that was supposed to come out before lockdown yeah. but hasn't is like F9, the Fast Saga. I think uh, it's F8, the Fate of the Furious. Ah, yes, the Fate of the Furious. That's it. Um, and I then, think everyone just called it Fast Data. Yeah, like everyone I remember. Yeah, it's it's maddening. But uh, yeah, to give you the the ranking of the the first five. Um, do you want me to start from the bottom or start from the top? But like, will I start from the I bottom? Can start from build the it. top. Oh, start no, from the top. Yeah, straight in at the top. Okay, straight in at the top is Fast Five. That's like, I, I, the, of course, I, I was hoping you'd say. I that. don't think there's any real argument. Um, there there's something like. There's something about just adding The Rock to something. Um, like, when you look at The Rock's filmography, um, look, I I love The Rock, but a pr- conservatively 90% of the movies he's in are terrible. Um, uh, but, I, I, I'm not going to accept that. No, no. Th- <laughs> I will, I'll draw the <laughs> distinction. They are terrible. He is great in them, and he makes them better for having been in them. Okay. But without him, these are tire fires. <laughs> and I love them. I love I so much. Skyscraper was one of my favorite movies uh, of I, I that year. I ironically love that movie. I, it's, it's, it's Die Hard for Idiots. Like, it's brilliant. And that's saying something because yeah. Die Hard is Die Hard for Idiots. Yeah, yeah. And he saves the world with duct tape. Great movie. Um, I love San Andreas. The Rock beats up an earthquake. What's not to like? Um... I watched that um, I watched that on a boat with a seasick Mark Robinson asleep beside me. Um what else? That that's an image. Yeah, it was when he was coming back uh from when when he was moving to Ireland and I I went over and we drove a van over from England uh, across oh, on the ferry. The, oh, was that trip okay. Yeah, I went and watched I left him asleep uh, more accurately. I left him asleep outside the door to the little cinema on the boat and went in and watched all of San Andreas. <laughs> Um, so look, I love I love a lot of the Rocks movies. I don't care for Doom. 
uh, and a couple of others, you know, uh, the Witch Mountain remake and stuff like that. But generally speaking, The Rock makes every movie he's in better, even if the movies aren't that great. I'd say maybe the one exception in terms of like they're unironically good are the two Jumanji reboots that he was in, which had no right to be as entertaining as they are. I haven't seen the second one yet, but the first one, I I, I watched it with Connor just because, you know, The Rock is in, I thought he'd enjoy it. I fucking loved the first Jumanji yeah. movie. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was great. It's a, and the second one is pretty much on the same level. Like, they're completely different movies from the Robin Williams one. Um, They don't traumatise children half as much as those ones did. But yeah, that's what that's what I was expecting. Like I was like, yeah. I'm not sure about letting them watch this, but like, yeah. okay. That's what I, I, you know, people were talking about it. it was like when when the um the Jumanji movie came out in the '90s, and everyone talks about it now. They're like, oh, I love Jumanji, and somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, was just like, "Fuckers, do you remember that movie? That movie was scary as shit. Like, it was yeah. absolutely terrifying." <laughs> and I rewatched it before the first reboot came out, and I was like, "Yeah, like this is this is not for kids. This is not for kids at all." Uh, I think people more kind of are thinking of the Jumanji cartoon, which was very good and family focused than they are of the actual Jumanji movie from the 90s, which is really good, but mm. fucking spooky as fuck like. Um, but anyway, yeah, so Fast Five is top. The Rock is just great in it. Um, and I think it's the point where um, everybody kind of realizes what these films are, you know. Do, do you know um, what I'd say? It's, it's where they go full sports entertainment and they just... yeah. Everyone has their moment. Mm. Let's just get silly. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate that. It goes it goes full silly. Um, the one thing I think, I was watching a video essay on them. I can't remember whether it was Patrick Willems or, or who it was. Some video essayist I, I watch on YouTube. And they were talking about how, like, the great thing about Fast and the Furious is that everybody in it knows the kind of film they're in. Except Vin Diesel, who thinks this is Shakespeare. Like, everybody's doing a nod and a wink. It, at one point in Tokyo Drift, Bow Wow literally winks into the camera. Um, so, like, everybody is isn't kind of... Isn't, isn't a fast five where he gets really upset about the chain? Yes, yes. because ne- necklace. Yes, because the, the DEA agent or whatever... Uh, the, she the Brazilian. T- yeah, the Brazilian yeah. agent. She takes the, yeah. the chain and he freaks out about it. Um... But yeah, he is taking this whole thing dead seriously, whereas kind of nobody else really is. Um, so do, I, do you know I what, to, actually, to bring it back to wrestling, do you know what Finn Diesel is in the Fast and the Furious movies? What? He's Bret Hart in 1995 WWF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no time for e- Everyone else is a cartoon, yeah. and he's just upset about somebody taking his jacket. Yeah. And he's about family as well, much like, <laughs> much like Bret Hart was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Fast Five is top. Then I would have to say, and this was, I didn't think I was going to feel this way because I, I think when I watched it originally, it just caught me on a bad night and I just wasn't having any of it. Uh, Tokyo Drift is probably second for me now. Okay, I haven't gone back to watch Tokyo Drift, but everyone yeah. that does says it's a really good movie. Yeah, it's actually, it, like, it's it's fun. Now, I will say that the main character, Lucas, is the least plausible 17 year old I've ever seen in my life like is this like a, a, a Disney 17 year old yeah it's seven, like 17 going on 42 like um, you know he has more wrinkles on his face than I do uh, and you know I'm <laughs> allegedly 14 years older than he was you know um, so yeah Tokyo Drift also you know Han brilliant um, ah, the, the best character in the whole series yeah then I would say the original uh, that got us all started. Mm. Then I would say, I would probably say 
Fast and Furious, the the fourth one. The fourth, yeah. Um, because it's look, it's not bad. It's just a bit kind of. It's like they had to go through the fourth one to get to the fifth one, kind of thing. It's like we've got to kind of reset the board. Yeah. Um. It's like the perfect placeholder movie. Yeah, it rewards you for getting through it because you know it brings back everybody. Um. And it gets you going for the proper, like, the Avengers of Fast and Furious that is uh, Fast Five. Um, and then bottom is Too Fast, Too Furious, which just feels like a side, like a, you know, you're playing like an RPG game and there's like a side quest where you go off for about a fucking hour doing something completely different. It's like, what the fuck? That, that had absolutely no importance whatsoever. Like, yeah. apart from, I, I think, like, the only, the only lasting stuff from that, film is that it brings in Roman Pierce um, played by Tyrese and Ludacris into the franchise like, it brings in Eva Mendes as well but she appears like for a cup of coffee at the end of one of the films and that's about it for her so it brings a couple of characters in but other than that like it's fucking completely missable Too Fast Too Furious and I saw Too, Too Fast Too Furious and the first one are the only ones I saw in the cinema oh my god um, I, I actually think I saw the recent one in the cinema I think I saw eight in the cinema Oh, because yeah. my, my, my wife loves the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, I I have no idea what actually I do know why, <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's one of the franchises that we will actively sit down together and watch mm. because we just get such great enjoyment out of them. What did she think of Hobbs and Shaw? We haven't watched it yet. Ah, so that's been a very divisive one. I loved it because it was kind of in the same way that I love Skyscraper mm-hmm. because it was a fucking dumb as shit movie <laughs> and I came in going I want this to be really stupid and I want there to be loads of explosions and things that make no sense and that's exactly what I got <laughs> See, I think we'll enjoy it because like that we, we both enjoy Skyscraper and San Andreas and yeah. I think we've actually watched San Andreas like three times yeah I think if uh, in the grand ranking if I were to slot Hobbs and Shaw in somewhere I'd rank it below the ones that are actually good but above the two boring ones <laughs> Um, so yeah that, that's where I'm at at the moment uh, by next week because I'm watching them at a rate of about two a night so oh, by the next time I'll be watching Fighter Fest tonight as we're recording this but by the time we get to our next episode of Thunder I will have watched all of them and I'll bring you my definitive ranking of the Fast and Furious saga I look forward to that yeah anyway um, let's do our usual bit before we get into the program uh, and talk about uh, the beers we have with us in our, in uh, the little segment that we very creatively call the Beers of Thunder. Uh, Lee, what have you got for yourself this week? Well, Dave, when I got these drinks, they were all the fucking rage because they had only just arrived in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And our American listeners will be very familiar with these because they are very popular, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I got myself a pair of White Claws. Hey! Just courting, uh, get, getting Ali Cat in to listen to this show. Um, listen, I, I have no problem with that. <laughs> Lee, Lee, will, <laughs> Lee will drink anything for numbers. <laughs> he, he's always said that. He'd be listen, like, I, I grew a moustache in the year 2018. Yeah, for a bit, for the podcast. For a bit, yeah. yeah like, come on, I'll do anything. Yeah, you're about six months <laughs> out from being like Tommy Dreamer in like the early 2000s Raw, <laughs> just doing gross shit for The Undertaker. Jesus. <laughs> Listen, I have my limits. So I'll, yeah. I'll never be Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> this week, Dave, I have a cup of tobacco spit. <laughs> well, uh, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I have two flavors, flavors of White Claw in front of me. I have a raspberry and a black cherry. Mm. 
and I am almost finished the raspberry because I very much fucking needed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, same. I, I had before... We, before and I, have to, I have to say, sorry, before before we move on to yours, um, they taste like nothing. Like sparkling water. Yeah, that's like, it, isn't no it? Like they're, they're basically like mildly flavoured seltzer water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's like drinking those kind of like bottles of Volvic that have a little bit of flavour in them. <laughs> that's, that's my understanding. But they get you fucked up. So, what of it? Um, yeah, I, I similarly to you, in addition to my beer that I will talk about in a second, had poured myself a, a Jemison ginger and lime uh, that I very badly needed after we recorded our first segment. Um, the the that I've I've taken to around the house, calling my my JGLs or my Joseph Gordon Levitts when I go to drink them. <laughs> That's the living with Dave experience, guys. It's terrible puns all day long. Um. <laughs> Never turns off. <laughs> no, it I'm um, always on. Always as if there's a po- uh, a podcast to be recorded. Uh, so I have that. But as well, speaking of my birthday that we did before, uh, and gifts that were gotten that were very on brand for me, uh, my partner Emma lovingly purchased me a beer tap <laughs> that you can hook up a can of any reasonable size to, and it will it will pour you your beer. So I have I, I spent a couple of minutes while Lee was waiting around wondering what the hell was taking me so long uh, because I didn't realise it's battery powered to get the liquid out of the can um, to get the whole thing together. So I've got it here beside the podcast. So you're, you're going to hear uh, me pouring it in real time. This could be an absolute fucking disaster. And I you will... haven't used this yet, have you? No, no. I, 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 Emma asked me the other day, she was like, have you used it yet? And I said, no, I want to use it on the air because regardless of whether it works well or it works badly, it has good radio. <laughs> I'm always People thinking. Be prepared for a weird edit where Dave gets covered in beer but you don't hear about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's what Dave does. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I do. I'll just edit back in the footage of you <laughs> spilling beer on yourself as an interlude. <laughs> Anyway, here we go. What I've put in it is uh, from the Kildare Brewing Company. Or, no, it's not from the Kildare Brewing Company. I did put in one of my Rebel Reds, actually. Uh, the Kildare Brewing Company was one I ha- I was going to use uh, earlier. They have a, a Chapel Lane Lager that is really, really nice. I recommend that, by the way. But I've just put in the Rebel Red now because I have the most cans of it in the house so that if I wreck one, I'm not sad that I, it's the only one I have. So, right. Bear with me for a second, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can You can hear it. Yeah, that's good radio. Well, while you're doing it, I'll uh, I'll commentate over it. So I'm wondering, is is it coming up smooth? Has it got a head? So yeah, it does. It has. I think I I I um put on the setting to add head to it. You know the way like when you're yeah. I don't know if you've tended actual bar, but if you like you push back on the the thing, it it adds more head to it. So I think I was doing that for longer than I necessarily should have, but uh, now it's coming that, together. That's what we shall call the Alf, Alf Snow function. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. With um, added head. Yeah, so I've got that beer going there now, and I'll tell you what, it's actually got a good consistency coming out of the tap. Um, Not that I'm surprised by it, because it wasn't like a cheap piece of kit, but uh, yeah, I'm very happy with that. I'll probably I you, for the, you were saying you were told not to look it up because you're not to know how much it costs. Yes, I just uh, and usually that means it's not cheap. So um, either that or it costs a fiver. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's really cheap now. Um, I uh, this will take some time because I have to get rid of the, the the head from when I was pushing it the wrong way. But uh, I'm very happy with it, and I will try and sip through the bit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You, you, you have to suffer for the podcast. Yeah, I was worried that maybe the way I was doing it or whatever way it was set up, that maybe the fizz would be taken out of it, but it's not. So I'm very happy with that. You may hear me. Glad to hear it works. Yeah, when Lee is talking at some point, you may hear me mute the microphone to finish pouring this because, again, it's very warm (laughs) in here and I need that nectar. Um, But yeah, anyway. (laughs) Again, be prepared for some weird edits. Yeah. Uh, Let's get down to it, Lee. It's Thunder episode 28 from a fucking, from a venue that seems to have been like a closely guarded state secret. Because um, I know we don't do okay, any. See, uh, I think they recorded this the week before. Yeah, because there's so in the two hours, they don't do the usual thing where they put the Chiron at the the start telling you where it is, mm-hmm. and I thought I missed it, and I rewinded it twice. wasn't there. The closest I got was that at, at a certain point, I think they said they were in Illinois. Um. Oh, maybe they did. But I, I, I haven't looked it up because that's not what we do here. Um, see, uh, see, I was thinking, like, it was a strange intro. It's not the usual intro. And I was thinking, oh, they definitely pre-taped the show. Because even even the inserts into the show are, like, you know, the whole Nitro segments and fucking... There's even a Saturday night segment, believe it or not. Um, but, like, it all just felt very chopped together. And you never really see... The commentators live like it very much feels like a green screen version of them yeah you get um and instead of having this is something that i will mark on later like instead of having gene out in front of the crowd doing interviews mm-hmm. it seems like he's doing it like it seems like an undisclosed location in the arena but the more i thought about it the more it was like it was actually out beside the stage because yes. it's it's the side it's of the, the setup it's so the industrial kind of fan looking stuff yeah so they're pre-tapes that are to look like it was done during the show yeah, so that that's what I'm very skeptical on when it was actually recorded. Like it's the actual Thunder stage, which makes me think it's definitely not a nitro taping. Mm. So yeah, it's just very like it was like the it was like they were trying to like hide something. It was really bizarre. Well, you see, they'll be trying to hide something. Never. I know, right? Um, but yeah, and this is dated August 20, nineteen ninety eight. That much we do know, thanks to the network. Uh, although they weren't going to be forthcoming with that date anyway. Um, and we're back with Thunder as the battle rages on en route to War Games. Uh, our featured bout tonight is Stevie Ray versus the Giants, so hold on to your hats, guys. Uh, Stagger Lee is opening the show by wondering what the hell Stevie is thinking of challenging the Giant. Uh, Bobby, <laughs> Tony goes to cut to ringside and then after he does it, Bobby does the, like, he points his finger at the screen as if he's the one telling him to cut to ringside and Tony looks at him at, with, a, like, an absolutely withering look of disgust. <laughs> so, I, I they, have, to, they have a couple of moments tonight uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. Brain, I tell you, Brain is uh, on a different plane tonight, we'll say that. I, I really hope his, his form doesn't dip as much as people say. Yeah. Because... Like, at the moment, like, we're halfway through 98, and he hasn't dipped at all so far. Yeah. I, you can tell some weeks that he's not exactly happy. <laughs> and at one point, he does say something about how little he enjoys working there on this show. But it doesn't affect how entertaining he is yet. We haven't gotten to the stage where him and Tony are absolutely beaten down. Uh, uh, where they hate each other. And want the whole company to go under basically because they they just are not having a good time 
Um, but it's funny because there's a lot of... I, I, I think, have you seen there's like a, a current of, because he's been so good on Dynamite, a current of kind of Tony revisionism, for want of a better term, where people say like, end of WCW Tony wasn't as bad as people say. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't think he was ever a bad commentator. It's just the material he had, I'm assuming, yeah. was just... The material he had, the company he had, the shit he was probably dealing with during his day. And, and Do you f- know what it is? It's the Michael Cole syndrome. Michael yeah. Cole isn't a bad commentator. He just has to watch that fucking shy for three hours and yeah. have Vince McMahon in his ear. And, and here's the thing as well uh, about Tony, is that, um, like, I think people view it, him at the end of WCW as better because the standards of commentary and wrestling over the 22 years since so this show has fallen so far, yeah. Um, like, if we were still talking prime JR and King or, you know, my old favourite JR and Heyman on Monday Night mm-hmm. Raw every week and they were knocking it out of the park, um, I think everybody would still think Tony was bad, but I think people have come to realise what actual really bad commentary is like and... Mm-hmm. What he was it, was Alex Marvez. Remember those couple of weeks where we had yeah. to suffer through Alex Marvez and Dynamite? Yeah. What what Tony Tony was never a bad commentator, but what he was was a good commentator who had checked out at a certain point. And you can't really blame him for it, as we say. Um actually, do you know who's a great combination? And I was watching him before we start recording. Who's that? Ex- Excalibur and Taz on Dark. Have you listened have you watched that? Uh, dude, they're so good. And they're having so much fun. Yeah. And when they're singing, um, there was it. Is it Judas that he sings? Uh, that Excalibur is trying to put words to, where he's like commentating with Taz. I can't remember what it is. I remember I sent it to Jeffrey from Strong Style Story because uh, okay. it happened during a break. I think first one week when Taz was out, it was happening during a break, and obviously the Americans don't get the material uh, uh, in the breaks okay, during, during fight. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that the, yeah, they're a really good partnership. I like them. I love the role. The two of us have been gushing nonstop. Uh, whenever people are talking about it, about how good Taz is in his role in AEW at the moment. That so said, yeah. that said, when the time comes for him to not be an on-screen character anymore, if that time comes, I think moving Jr. away from the booth and slotting Taz right in there, I think mm-hmm. that's a that's a three-man commentary team for the ages. That that's per- like Excalibur Taz Tony would yeah. be my dream duo. It would be or, it w- uh, combination. Sorry, not yeah. Cool. It would be the it would be the best trio since probably you know on these shows when we get uh, peak Tony, peak Brain, and Tanay. That's my kind of WCW three that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, not disrespecting Lee Marshall, but you know the knowledge Tanay brings. You can never really like discount that. Yes. Um. Unfortunately, uh, up and down this show is the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> And Lee, oh boy. <laughs> part part of me, part of me, like I knew it was coming. I knew we weren't too far away from the arrival of the warrior, and I know what match is coming. But I, part of me, naively, foolishly thought we'd get a little bit more time without the warrior. Um, but holy shit! Not only is the warrior all over the show without actually being on this show, Lee. But holy shit, are these commentators trying to tell you that everybody loves the Warrior? Well, Dave, we've had a good run. And <laughs> I'm sad to say that the bad times are 100% here. Yeah. 
So <laughs> I think we need to just accept it. Take it for what it is. Find the little positives that whatever they may be. Because from here on out, it's a fucking shit show for the most part. <laughs> because this return mm-hmm. is possibly the the biggest waste of money Eric Bischoff ever had. And think and I, about I, the I, ground I that covers. Everything in that, whether it be Megadeth yeah. for Goldberg, whether it be the Kiss Demon, whether it be fucking... James Brown. Yeah, Lanny Poffo having a contract for fucking 10 years. <laughs> yeah, the Winston Bogarde of WCW. Um, um, whether yeah, it be the, the, Rodman, uh, yeah, Rodman falling asleep on the apron. Yeah, um, but this this warrior return is absolute dog shit. I will talk. I want to talk about it because I, you know, money and fate of the company stuff aside, I thought it was hysterically funny, uh, in a way that it absolutely was not supposed to be. But we'll talk about that when we get to the flashback. Um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Was it a Lee Marshall here says that Warrior on Monday on Nitro had the greatest return since General Douglas MacArthur promised he would return, which I'll tell you what, (laughs) you might as well, if you're being told that you have to put over the Warrior nonstop, you might as well swing for defenses. And Marshall has done absolutely that. Um, But I love uh, Bobby Heenan in the old school coded language of the commentator. Uh, where they're trying to maintain their credibility by not putting things over that don't deserve to be put over. He said that uh, anytime you have the warrior around wrestling, it's dangerous. And I do not disagree, <laughs> Mr. Heenan. I do not disagree. Do you know what? This is one thing I'm looking forward to, is Heenan finding creative ways to bury the person he hates more than anyone else in wrestling. And if there is <clears throat> if there is any man to do it, it's Bobby Heenan. Um, anyway, our first match... Uh, is Psychosis versus Hoovy for the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, two guys who I think have had, v- at best, mixed chemistry with one another. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think this was, in terms of this, maybe the fourth or fifth time we've, we've seen them wrestle since we started this podcast. And I think this was one of the better ones. But you wouldn't fucking know that if you were listening to the show, Lee, because in a pattern that would follow for two hours of thunder... All these fuckers wanted to talk about on commentary was the warrior. Talking about how shocked Hogan was, how shocked Bischoff was, and most importantly, in a point that would be rammed down our throats for the entire evening, how willingly he was embraced by the fans. Guys, you need to see how crazy the fans were going for warrior. And like, even when they would then show us footage, like the fans were reacting but I wouldn't say they were like, this is the second coming of Christ. Like, it's nothing close to, like, the reaction Sting was getting coming from the rafters or, like, Goldberg is getting or anything like this. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, like, we know him. Cool. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it when we get to the uh, entrance. But, yeah, like, the uh, the level of... It's not even pandering. What's the word I'm thinking of? Like, overblown hype. Hyperbole, during, yeah. During this opening match is just... It's almost nauseating. Yeah. And it takes away so much from what was a really enjoyable match, I thought. Yeah. I Like yeah, I, like I said, I think this is one of the better matches these two guys have had together. And they were completely done in injustice by the commentary during it. And I felt really bad about it. 
Um, they're, they're also pushing strongly how, you know, Hogan, he's the one guy Hogan's never beaten. Um, the two lads start off with some groundwork in uh, the hang, ring. Hang on, I'll talk. Sorry. Oh, no, he beat Piper, didn't he, in yeah. Super Bowl? Yeah. Uh, okay, so I was got, that was the same build for Piper Hogan mm. at Starcade 96, and Piper won the non-title match. You, are you saying WCW is out of ideas? How dare you, sir? I um, mean, look, I don't want to say out of ideas more than I want to say creatively bankrupt. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's not that they don't have ideas. It's just that they're not bothered coming up with any. Um, so, yeah, they start off with some groundwork in the ring before Hoovy comes off a whip to drop kicks he goes out of the ring. Uh, what I did like about this moment... Um, it's kind of a bit of long-term storytelling with Hoovy, who's a very high-risk guy. At the point where Sikosis gets dropped out of the ring, you would assume Hoovy would go for a high-risk dive and perhaps crash and burn. But instead of taking the dive, Hoovy allows Sikosis to get back in the ring. He takes the opportunity to take mm-hmm. the breather. He doesn't want to risk it. He's, you know, he's the champion. He's he's not going to take any unnecessary risks now. It's shown a bit of development in that character. So he's, I like he's that He's maturing, moment. yeah. Yeah, I like that moment a lot. Uh, Sigosis takes charge now in the ring he's the kind of bigger more physical wrestler so you often see this in their matches between each other that Sigosis will take uh, charge and wear him down uh, hits him with a really nasty chop uh, Hoovy gets whipped into the corner but blocks the charge with the drop kick big clothesline and a top rope head scissors and at this point as well like I'm noticing god they're still talk like there's some good action mm-hmm. going on the ring and they are still talking yeah. about warrior it is going to be a long night of this ad um Hoovy goes for a 450 splash but uh really cool Sigosis kicks the bottom rope and it crotches him so like you know kind of the minimal effort to try and avoid being hit with the finish did, did you notice when Hoovy starts scaling the ropes the fans were on their feet they literally yeah. jumped up and were losing their shit yeah, I like it's still. Do you know the the four fifty is something that I think by the mid two thousands was kind of overdone, uh. But it's still like it's it's a very technically impressive move. It always has been, but I think at this stage it was still a rare enough sight. Like you know when Kidman was essentially the only one on American television hitting shooting star mm-hmm. presses, it felt more special than when you see like, I think opening match guys on an indie show hit one to the outside of the ring now, and <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I'm kind of over it. I remember you thinking the shooting star press was the coolest thing I'd ever fucking seen in my life. Um, back in the day, um, top rope forward roll from Psychosis for a two count. As we go to an ad break, it comes back and Psychosis is in control again, and he's looking to finish. He hits the guillotine leg drop, which he signposted for quite a while to the point where I thought Hoovy was going to roll out of it, but he waits too long afterward, taunting, attempts a release German suplex, which Hoovy rotates out, does a full matter rotation, stands out of it, lands on his feet, hits the Hoovy driver, gets the win. Um, I thought this was a really enjoyable match. I, I really enjoyed this. Just like, we, we always hate this when we have an opener like this, but this is the way they should open the show every week. Mm. Like, they have a million luchadors and cruiserweights under contract. Yeah. Use them. Open the show hot. And then you can go into your storyline shit with Warrior. Yeah. You're kind of torn between the two worlds of like, man, like the cruiserweights are so good, they deserve a more prominent spot on the card. But then the other side is like, God, they're so good, they'll get people on their feet straight away by opening mm-hmm. up a TV show like this. Um, like how many times have we had like people like Hacksaw or whatever in an opener? You're like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's just something very annoying. Like when, when you know they have this like easily available to them yeah and they just choose not to use it It, it's Mm -hmm. very annoying so uh as we close out the segment brain is getting given out to and he just goes i'm just trying to do what i'm told it's the hardest place i've ever had to work (laughs) 
so I enjoy that like casual and par- mm-hmm. uh, casual burial of the employers there. Uh, this is our first segment then with uh, me and Jean in an undisclosed location, which is clearly an empty arena beside the Thunder set. Uh, and he's talking to Stevie Ray. <clears throat> and it, it's uh, something I, I've thought about before, but seeing the side of the Thunder set up close like this, I don't, because I was a little bit too young at the time, I don't get what the whole um, post-industrial cool in the late 90s was about. Every, like, everything was graphite and silver and everything yeah graphite and... silver giant fans with spotlights shining out of it like this very much reminded me of the set for the bronze nightclub in Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> and now that's a mashup I want to see Mean Gene rocking up to Sunnydale uh, and I will not be satisfied until I get that I'm not a Buffy guy so that means nothing to me oh yeah it's it's like the, it's this post industrial nightclub where like all the young people used to go to they had the giant fans and the spotlight thing real kind of post industrial vibe and then fucking like vampires would attack in the club all the fucking time and at a certain point you're like why the fuck do you keep going back there <laughs> but it was just a device for the show to get like different like underground bands on every week you know in the uh, early okay, rotation yeah, yeah, of the show yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah it was just so funny how much shit went down at or outside the bronze and these like 16 year olds just kept going although now the more I think about it the more I'm like well actually yeah teenagers yeah, are that dumb because yeah. yeah, I like afterwards. I just saw a, a footage on Twitter before I came up of like a house party in Dublin that got raided by the guards and there must have been about 40 people in like a three bedroom semi-detached house <laughs> And they're all being run out. Like the video goes on for about two minutes of them running out all these young people out of the house. And it's, it's, it's like one of those kind of when the clown car opens and about 20 clowns get out of a tiny car kind of thing. I, I actually want you to send me that video because I want to see where it is. Yeah. And uh, clowns is the appropriate word there. I'll put mm-hmm. it that way. Uh, but he's here with Stevie Ray anyway. Um, Stevie says he was a fighting champion and he wants Gene to shut up. Uh, <laughs> Very uh, eloquent Gene, man is one Stevie, Stevie Yeah, Gene Ray. is trying to kind of call it distribute his TV title reign. Hey, Gold Jericho a sissy and the giant and overgrown sucker. Um, I actually thought, like, on the Stevie scale, this was very good. Do you know? He's that basically says a lot, to be honest. Yeah, like he's putting it for like he does what he needs to do here. He puts forward that he believed he was a TV champion and that he was a fighting champion. So he's keeping that kind of thing with Booker cooking in the background. Uh he addresses mm-hmm. Jericho because it would have been weird if he lost the title to Jericho and didn't say something about it. Um, and then closes the promo by focusing in on Giant who he's wrestling tonight. So I think functionally it was a very good promo especially for Stevie Ray. Um, oh, he okay. said some... Um, yeah. We both know where this is going. Yes. Did you think the main event or sorry the featured bout as they call it because it's not a main event it's a featured bout was going to be pure angle? Um... I'm not sure because I remember it being remarked on in like Death of WCW or something I read that like this feud went on longer than you remember it did. (laughs) So in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm kind of expecting this to just drag on and drag on without any real developments. It doesn't. Yeah. Because I know for a fact that by Fall Brawl. Yeah you know what happens yeah um so that's why i was i was like well surely this is it like they're not going to do the match Mm. and you know they do because (laughs) of course they do (laughs) yeah but anyway look we'll we 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 don't want to spoil that on people who are watching these shows along with us but we will absolutely get to that uh 
we also got the first of what was a couple of lines of like Gene was just in a in a kind of like a, a salty mood this evening where he kind of finished off the segment as he turns to the camera and says, well, if you have power of attorney, maybe you can pick up a dinner tab for once tonight. <laughs> and Stevie looks up and says, don't get smart. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was a great line. G- Gene has a like, I think he ends every segment that he's in yeah. with something like that. The amount of times Gene, like, in kayfabe, should have got the absolute shit beat out of him by guys twice the size of him is crazy. But he had powerful lawyers. He always says it. Yeah, that he does say that. He said it very recently on the show, actually, now that I remember. So, now it's time to talk about it, Lee. Flashback to Monday, Monday Nitro. <laughs> Hogan, E, and the Disciple. As the ring lights flicker, some really melodramatic music starts playing, and the warrior appears. And... Something I would like to say about this that had me on the point of tears laughing. It's not quite that's the wall, brother, levels. But I will say, Warrior is half an arena away. It is pitch black. Fireworks are going off left, right and centre, completely obscuring vision. And the commentators are trying to sell it like the fans know exactly who this tiny figure on the ramp covered in smoke is. But they don't. But they, yeah, but they don't. And also, Hogan is in the ring with a cartoony lip quiver going on, as if he can see who it is. And there's no way. Like, (laughs) obviously, he never saw the wall either. Um, (laughs) And even though he is, he's not half a fucking mile away like the wall was... This is preposterous. Like, there's not a fucking chance <laughs> he saw who it was. Um, if you think was... this is bad, wait, wait until you just see. Oh, I know. The next few oh. So then Warrior is in the ring and on the microphone, which is a bad idea. But in what is probably, and again, this is grading on a curve extremely, in probably the best joke of his entire career, he points at the disciple and says, this dude must be your barber. Which got Ooh, a... Ooh, reference. Get, yeah, it didn't get a huge <laughs> pop. It's obviously grim foreboding of how inside WCW is going to get. But I did love there's kind of like a smattering of maybe about 20% of the crowd who are like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, he said the thing. Yeah, um, you just went, does he read your Zodiac signs for you? Yeah, yeah. But I will say as well, it's something I've always thought about, whatever about his other gimmicks. In the Disciple gimmick, when he's wearing the sunglasses, like if you didn't know it was Ed Leslie, like, he, he could pass for some a completely different human being sometimes. I mean... The, the dirty... Like, the fact that he has the dirty big beard, the glasses, and the bandana. Like, most of his face is covered. Um, until you see him wrestling, you're like, mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, he just says that starting next week, he's beginning a revolution. So he... in a In a classic... WCW moment he debuted to make an announcement about something he's going to do not tonight yeah Yeah. (laughs) this town ain't good enough for me brother (laughs) yeah and there's a couple of those tonight do you know what Uh, so I was watching the entrance and I just felt like the warrior should always have you know the monster truck announcer in the Simpsons yeah Sunday 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 yeah it should be the warrior 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 (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my god! This is so shit. Like, abs- like they they chop it up <laughs> as best they can. Yeah. But you, like when when um, Warrior asks Bischoff who he is, and you can see Bischoff is fucking pissed. 
yeah. because this has already been going on for multiple minutes mm-hmm. and the whole segment was only supposed to go like 11 or 12 minutes I think it ends up going like 20 something odd minutes Jesus wept because part of me was like will I go and watch this full segment for context no, and then don't. I stopped myself and I was like why would I do that for anyone wondering why we didn't do a Knights of Nitro for this one it's fucking it's awful that's why it explains itself um, so he's starting a revolution next week the screens go static for some reason fucking Solomon Crow over here uh, ring fills with smoke fireworks go off and he vanishes but I imagine it didn't happen nearly that quickly live again I would say that's cut down in the extreme um, yeah and if that, this wasn't bad enough we go back to Thunder and we're subjected to Hacksaw versus Barry Darso Super workers. Yeah. Starts off with a great line from Tony, another one that I absolutely agree with here. There is nothing about Duggan that is finesse. Yep. <laughs> I mean, fucking nail on head. Yeah. <laughs> Straight in there. Um, oh, this match is shite. But uh, Tony does say in the middle of the match, because again, we can't, we can't resist going through a match without talking about Warrior. That on Monday, there will be... So, as well as the revolution starting, there is also going to be an announcement on Monday from Interim Commission Piper about okay. Warrior status in WCW. Okay, here's the thing. They have this shite match thrown out here. Yeah. And they drop a couple of important bits of fucking information during this match. Yeah. First of all, for the first time, they confirm that War Games isn't, in fact, War Games. Yeah. It is three teams of three. Mm-hmm. One team being NWO Hollywood, one team being NWO Wolfpack, and for some inexplicable reason, a WCW team. Because they didn't think of anything that Paige could do. And apart from it. They then drop in that apparently Roddy Piper is the interim commissioner of WCW. Yeah. How did this come about, Dave? Because I'm fucking lost on this one. <laughs> um, I was going to say it must be something they explained on Nitro, but I think that might be given a bit too much credit. Um. I feel like we've seen Piper because even at the start of the show, do you remember when there was the Michigas with the the belt being held up and vacated? You know, um, us not having a champion for the first month or two when we were doing this podcast, and Piper was involved in that decision as well. Mm-hmm. So is this a thing where he he had he's held this, had this power? He's always had this power, and it just comes up when convenient. I um, think we should start to keep a list of people who have power in WCW. Okay, so we're at what? Uh, so let's go from the beginning. We've had Nick Lambros. JJ Dillon. Yeah. The late Nick Lambros, who's probably yeah. not dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eric Bischoff. Yeah. Um, Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, have we had anyone else on the run of Thunder so far? Raven gets to make his own rules. Yeah. Um, I think that might be it so far. Oh, the Wolfpack. The Wolfpack got to choose their own tag team partners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's funny how art imitates life sometimes. And uh, in terms of the power in WCW, it's coming off like the absolute Wild West, which is not inaccurate. So when you that, think about that, that's the stuff we're seeing on screen. Just imagine how bad it was backstage. Mm. That's how the power dynamics are playing off in kayfabe, let alone how they actually are playing off behind the scenes Lee why does this match need rest holds there was a fucking 30 second chin lock in here uh, and I was just like ugh uh, the only salvageable thing that was any, in any way entertainment was Brain who was just trying to uh, keep himself awake and yeah. said if you look at Darso real close he looks like a big tough Gene Okerlund 
I laugh more at that more than I should have. Yeah, and like Tony's like, what? <laughs> he also he just... gets in another zinger at, uh, at Hacksaw's site. Mm. Yeah. He said, imagine, imagine the damage he could do if he could see you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a, a Hacksaw match cannot pass without uh, Brain saying something like that. Um, I, I get the feeling there's like a, an anxiety in Tony doing TV with Heenan because he literally has no idea what he's going to say. Um, Hacker wins the match with the old glory knee drop. Um, and then I love, uh, I think it's Tony says, the people here seem to really love Hacksaw. <laughs> and Bray says, yeah, well, a lot of people like burnt toast. <laughs> yeah, uh, fucking Heenan, he gets me through the show. Yeah, then we have maybe what I think, Lee, might be the highlight of the show, and that's Mike Tanay presenting what I thought was a phenomenal video package on the rules and history of war games. I was Um, blown away that we got this. This, for WCW at this time, who are not really so much about the details as a company, this was incredible. I loved this. The only two things I would say about it is that it's building up this war games a lot more than it should... (laughs) by comparing it to some of the great matches of all time. You are setting the bar very high here. Okay, so uh, that was going to be my point. They're, they're, you know, this incredible War Games package where they explain, like, what, five or six of the last ten. Like, they literally yeah. go over, like, the, the the recent history of War Games. Yeah. But this year's War Games isn't going to be any of that. Because yeah. it's three teams. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that they they explain the rules of what war games usually are. That's the, my other yeah. That that was my other point, and and then they're like, yeah, but we're throwing that shit out the window. You know that that set of rules that led to some of the great, most heated matches in the history of this company. Yeah, we're done with that, and we're doing something else. <laughs> so you need to fucking shoehorn in three factions into one match when, as Lee said, it's inexplicable that WCW are involved at this point because NWO versus Wolfpack is where we're at, uh, and where we should be at. Like, surely um, they could have got four guys from NWO Hollywood. Yeah. But not only, like... So not only are the rules slightly changed by having three teams of three men, but as well, it's like, whoever gets the pin gets Goldberg. So they're not even teams. Yeah. So now, even within the teams, everybody has... Like, everybody is basically fighting for themselves now. So, like, DDP is the captain of the WCW team, is what they tell us. Yeah. So, like, why wouldn't DDP just go, right, go find fucking Kenny Chaos and Robbie Rage and say, right, you two are going to back me up and make sure I get the pin. Yeah. Instead of going out and finding fucking the ultimate warrior. Yeah. Who he's only just met, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just not worth thinking about. Uh, Gene is backstage with Brett now. Uh, Gene says he wants to know who the third man on team Hollywood is but uh, Brett isn't telling he says he came to WCW to be the big cheese uh, and he is the one that's going to beat Goldberg but it's funny because he said like I came here to be the big cheese and then immediately like the little dork he is was like so it's going to be me or Hogan is going to win Yep. so like he's not even backing himself to win and he's basically burying his third like the third member of their team as having absolutely no chance um absolutely just this is like again it, it's another WCW thing where the closer you look at something the more the logic of it falls apart to be fair when we get around to watching that match we should remember that because the third member of the NW Hollywood team has absolutely no chance hmm. Um, I didn't hate this Brett interview I thought it was like one of his better I, ones yeah look I don't think the problem with this promo was how Brett delivered it I think it was how he had to make sense of a very stupid stipulation 
Um, so like, yeah, I can't bury him too much as much as just it's becoming very apparent how silly this war games is. Him repeatedly saying Bill Goldberg to try and anger Bill Goldberg was yeah pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I did like that. Now, in a stark contrast, we have Gene with Mongo. <sighs> Uh, he takes forever to get across one thought, which is he remembers being betrayed by Hennig last year at War Games, and he's going to get payback. So they had showed earlier in the night during the Tanae video package about how Hennig turned on the horsemen and they got handcuffed and they all got beaten up. Um, Obviously, he's been living by the uh, his NFL career past and waiting a year to get revenge on somebody. Mm. Obviously, of he, course, took, he took an off-season apparently. Yeah. Yeah, of course, like any man who wants revenge, he waits nearly an entire calendar year and then gets revenge on a random fucking thunder. Um, cool. Um, then there's like, <laughs> there's like a weird 30 seconds of like, Gene tries to get some improv going about Rick Rude buying cheap suits. And you know the way like the rule of improv is that you do the yes and. Like you never shut somebody down. You You try to keep the bit going. And like, Mongo's caught completely unawares by this and it's so fucking awkward and it, it's like he talks about how you know I hear you can go down to Midtown and get uh, Gina said you can get labels that you can stick onto those suits he's getting cheap suits and uh, that's it like, G- he just G- keeps G- hanging and he's just like yeah. oh okay yeah really <laughs> I, th- I, I think he also says at some stage he's going to give Kurt Henning a, a little bit of aeronautics yeah he would get. He was given. He was basically like breaking the fourth wall and talking about how silly Hennig's bumps are. And it was almost like he was saying, "Oh, you bump around for guys all the time." Well, I'm actually going to hurt. I'm actually going to throw you around. Not like when you're bumping like a big faker. <laughs> it felt really weird. Everything um, about Mongo feels really weird. Yeah, it was just quite bad. And speaking of quite bad, Brian Adams is out next and uh, he's here with Vincent to face Dean Malenko. Um, and I felt this was the dullest Dean Malenko match I have seen. Fucking yep. nothing going on. This is uh, awful. <laughs> until Adams gets lawn darted into, <laughs> into the ring with a tornado DDT from Malenko that looked really good. Um, it kind of made me shriek again after remembering the shoot DDT on Adams at, at, at Roadwild and thinking like God should this guy be taking bumps onto the top of his head I don't think so are, are we underselling maybe Brian Adams is just really good at taking DDT bumps yeah he just takes those those uh, RVD-esque bumps <laughs> um, Vincent then distracts the referee and Hennig runs out to interfere Adams wins um, shite <laughs> the, the best part of this match was uh Tony asks, what does Vincent do? And, no, I think it's Lee asks, what does Vincent do? And Tony just said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Not inaccurate. Um, then we have, again, another one of the highlights of the show, and this one didn't even happen on Thunder. It's just a flashback to my favourite comedy duo of Buff Bagwell, Scott Steiner, and a doctor. That's Dr. Um, Cecil Schwartz. Yes, a doctor, big air quotes there, who looked kind of somewhere halfway between, um, who would it be? Halfway between like Weird Al Yankovic and uh, Cheech. Cheech or Sideshow Bob or something like that. <laughs> do, you, um, do you know what he is? Are, are you familiar with the Cars movies, the, the animated movies? I've never seen them. <sighs> Okay, for those, for those who have seen them, 
the the car Fillmore that lives in Radiator Springs, which is the quote unquote hippie car. Mm. This guy is the living form of Fillmore. <laughs> It was like the most preposterous, but it was good that he looked so shitty because if he looked like a plausible doctor, I don't think this segment would have been as funny. Right on. Uh, yeah, I enjoy, <laughs> I, Lee, I unabashedly loved this. Um, the first thing I noticed, apart from the sham doctor in the background wearing ill-fitting gear, was half of Scott's body is in a cast, like almost directly down the middle. But it's a form-fitting cast because he still wants you to see he that he's flexes. ripped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He still wants you to see that he's ripped. So good. And then we get, like, I know it's become a popular meme of Scott Steiner's, Scott Steiner doing maths. Um, that infamous TNA promo. Mm-hmm. But people don't talk about Scott Steiner's biology lesson nearly enough. <laughs> Where he says, everybody knows. That your elbow bone is connected to your shoulder bone, which is connected to your neck bone, which no. is connected to your hip bone, which is why my knee hurts. <laughs> and then he starts crackling laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and Buffer is loving this. At this point, then, the doctor is identified as Dr. Cecil Schwartz, who <laughs> Scott <laughs> turned to him and asked to confirm if his injury is serious. He says, right on. <laughs> Like full McConaughey, right on. <laughs> and he says, "Look, I could beat up my brother with half a body, but I will not go against my doctor's orders." Again, he turns to the doctor. He asks him to confirm that they can't know if he will be fit for s- September thirteenth. And the doctor goes, "This year, right on." <laughs> I fully, fully believe. That that doctor does not know what year it is. He has no idea that this is a TV show. He has no idea what these people are doing here. It's the fucking... Oh my god, I I, loved it so much. I want this guy to be a recording character. I hope he is. Just in in the background going, right on. Yeah, right on. (laughs) It's just like, you know, uh, whenever they do serious backstage segments where somebody is injured, I want Dr. Cecil Schwartz to be the medic on set. (laughs) And it's always like he's doing serious physio stuff and he's just like, rat on. <laughs> there with the magic sponge. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. A Saturday night flashback. And oh my God, this is the, like, we're getting back to back discussions of Saturday night here. Because not only for, the, I think the first time in, at least in months, they not only name people who are going to be on Saturday night, but they actually tell you matches. Matches, yeah. We get a title match on uh, we're get, Saturday yeah, night. We're getting Chavo versus Jericho. For, ch- for the TV title. And we're getting Scott Hall versus Conan. So not only does it tell us that, but then in the next segment, there's a flashback to Saturday Night. And I think this is the first time on Thunder they've it ever is. shown footage from that show. <laughs> Incredible. And do you know what's uh, even better? It's from my favourite feud. Yeah. As Raven is tearing strips off the flock, calling them ingrates. Uh, we notice now that Kidman is in what you would call the quintessential Kidman gear. Uh, the, the white tank top on the jorts um, kind of like the yeah, like I said the quintessential Kidman gear uh, Saturn out to defend the flock uh, as he can't see 
uh, stand to see Raven treat them this way anymore. He explains why all of them... I love this. So he's going one by one around the flock, mm-hmm. talking about how like this guy's a great young talent. You can take the world by storm, telling Kidman, oh, you could win the Cruiserweight title if you just took it seriously. You don't need Raven. Except Lodi. He doesn't really give any redeeming qualities for Lodi whatsoever. Lodi has no redeeming qualities, let's be honest. No. Yeah, Saturn's honest. Uh, Saturn proposes that if he beats Raven at Fall Brawl, he must set the flock free. No, but see, it's not even that. First of all, he tells them to leave. Yeah, and they don't. And they don't. And then Raven just like, go on, leave. And they Mm. won't. And it's just like, it it really puts over across like this this kind of mental hold he has over them all. Yeah. Great stuff. That's when Saturn turns and says, right, well, if they won't fight for themselves, I will. So if he beats Raven at Fall Brawl, he must set the flock free. But Raven says that once he beats Saturn, Saturn will return to him. Um, next up, we have a Four Corners match. First Four Corners match in Thunder history. Yes. And it's Raven versus Canyon versus Saturn versus Horus. One of these things is not like the others, Lee. And you know what's even better, Dave? Not only is it the first Four Corners match in, w- in uh, Thunder history... Yeah. It is also a martial arts division title match because oh. our champion, Saturn, is in the match. Mm. And I've uh, decided, instead of... I'm going to rechristen the martial arts division title. Oh, I don't like this. I have... Uh, you know, I, I am the WCW Thunder uh, Banished Door, Co- isn't that? The Banished Door, yeah. So I have decided that no longer will it be referred to as the martial arts division title. It is now the mad title. <laughs> right. As yes. in martial arts division. Exactly. Yeah, I'll give you that. So, I thought you were going to change it completely and lose the spirit of the thing, but no, I'm not no, here no, for no. it. No, it's yeah. the, the mad title. So, after 15 minutes of video packages, the crowd is pretty fucking dead as this match starts. Um, Horace and Saturn go at it early, and then the commentary immediately back to Warrior Chat, and... Uh, begging you to believe that people love Warrior. I didn't hear the commentary on this match at all because I was just so into this match. <laughs> I fucking love this match. <laughs> yeah. No, really enjoyable. It's like it's by the numbers for, you know, like a four corners match, but it was still enjoyable nonetheless because three quarters of this match are really enjoyable wrestlers. Um, and it's the intrigue of it all. Like, I know where this story goes, but I am fucking yeah. loving watching it unfold. Yeah, and there are four of the players in this long, sprawling story as well. So it's not a pointless four corners match with just like four random luchadors or something like that. Um, So there's interesting dynamics depending on who's in the ring. You know, you have obviously Canyon and his history as Mortis with Raven. You have Saturn, who is obviously trying to free the members of the flock. So he doesn't necessarily have a beef directly with Horace, more with Raven. And Horace is kind of a byproduct of that. You have Horace, who's kind of on the outs with Raven at the moment, was asked to leave the ring when uh, Raven was dressing them down. So yeah, there's there's layers going on in this match. Uh, Saturn and Canyon hate each other despite both hating Raven. Yeah, so no matter what two are in the ring at any one time, there is an interesting element to it so i appreciate that even if like mechanically it's nothing you haven't seen before from a four corners match um we have a moment towards the end where saturn runs wild nearly pins raven uh like nearly just beats the ball and pins raven by himself uh canyon tags in off him uh, and electric chairs him onto raven for two uh then a flatliner for two again which horace breaks up to the dismay of tanae 
Uh, Tanae can't figure out why a man in a match he could win would break up a pin. I think maybe Tanae yeah, briefly think, forgot this wasn't a tag match. Yeah, he... he... Yeah. I think he kind of thought it was elimination for a minute and then I think yeah. Bobby points out he's like well he wants to win himself yeah and yeah today he's like oh yeah 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 probably that to be fair he, he doesn't try and cover for it he's just like oh no. yeah sorry I, I, I messed up there yeah, but... uh, Saturn plunges onto the to the outside onto Canyon while Raven hits the even flow on Horace and steals the win so in in your rule book Lee Saturn wasn't pinned does he lose the belt? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, champions get no advantage. <laughs> okay. No championship uh, advantage no, no. here. So th- th- This is the mad style. You know, th- there's no championship advantage here. If you're in a match, like a, a singles or, you know, multi-person match, once it's not yeah. a tag match, your title's on yeah. the line. Oh, wow. Okay. Harsh rules from the Bonnish store. Uh, our new mad champion, our martial arts division champion, it's Raven. Damn right. Incredible. By beating Horace. <laughs> Gene is now backstage in another pre-record with the Giant. Uh, Giant concurs that Stevie's TV title reign was bogus, uh, but he does admire the ambition of basically stealing the belt off his hospital riddled brother. He, he, he does that. respect the hell out of that. <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah. He's like, ah, this guy is an idiot. But I respect it because he took from his own brother, like, you know, he has yeah. no heart. Yeah. I was like, he's an idiot, which I don't respect, but he's a heartless son of a bitch, which I do respect. Um, so it doesn't matter where you're from you talk about Winnipeg or you know, 110th Street Harlem doesn't care he's the giant and if Stevie runs his mouth he's going to close the gap I don't mean the gap between your teeth I mean the gap between you and me I'm going to get your hand, my hands on your throat uh, what I love here at the very end again Gene tries to get smart <laughs> and he compliments uh, giant on taking us on a travel log during his promo of different locations and said it was like walking through a Rand McNally <laughs> a giant just Clears at him. Yeah, he doesn't say anything, and Genius is like, I should show up now, shouldn't I? Yeah, and he's like, Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. Love Eugene. Um God, he what a man he was. Did you just um, say you love Eugene or yeah, Eugene? You you comma Gene. <laughs> uh next match, Hennig with Ru- with Rick Rude versus Mongo. A has been versus a never was. Um Mongo with a long headlock out of the gate in this match, which just prepares you for what it's going to be. I think Hennig, even in his pomp, would have struggled to get something out of this yeah. match. I think you skipped over the highlight of the early portion of the match, which is Kurt Henning selling a chop to the back yeah, better than anyone else possibly could. And then he gives Mongo a receipt once he gets him on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Hennig attempts to Irish whip Mongo off of him while he's in the headlock but Mongo who is the alleged babyface holds on to him by the hair um, which made no sense to me uh, Hennig does finally get out takes control of the match big chops in the corner and a snapmare uh, Hennig what I love about this is he's doing the he- uh, the snapmare and stuff like that and I realise Hennig is making sure that he's doing the most basic shit mm-hmm. with Mongo because the more basic it is, the less chance Mongo has to fuck him up. Let's see, Court Henning obviously knew that, you know, 22 years later, there would be Twitter and a GIF account that yeah. would, you know, put together all of Mongo's <laughs> greatest clips. Yep. And he wanted no part of this. Yeah, greatest is an interesting way to say that. Um, 
As Hennig begins to dominate the match, Dean Malenko comes out for the attack and the DQ to save us all from any more of this match. Hennig and Rude lay them both out with double DDTs. Uh, finally, Lee, it's time for our main event as Stevie Ray takes on Giant Jeans. Uh, <laughs> he uh, fucking... 2002 Big here. Shows here, hey? Yeah, Giant... <laughs> it's not quite, yeah, the corduroys and level leather belt of late 2002 Big Show with his fucking buzz cut. But fuck me, it's like he's after... He's like, right, okay, I, I have my match and then I have to make it to line dancing class. Uh, so I need to get into my gear now, which is jeans and boots. Nah, dude dude was backstage like, I am not getting changed for a fucking form in that match. Yeah, and something I love here, so this is a match that at least uh, they have been in their promos acting like it's a grudge match. And yes, the great horrible trope in wrestling, I think I've been hearing Brian Alvarez give out about it on podcasts since 2005, uh, a grudge match beginning with a lockup. <laughs> One of the stupidest, like most careless spots in wrestling. It's I hate it whenever it happens. As soon as Stevie begins to take charge in this match, Scott Hall immediately interferes but gets easily laid out. No bell at this point. Uh, Giant then punches Stevie and choke slams him. Ben Hall gets on top and instead of attacking him, just kind of like... Insults him. Kind of, yeah, insults him and kind of grabs his mouth and squishes his face together. And at that point, it's a DQ. Oh, yeah. Uh, um... Then the Hollywood geeks come out to humiliate Stevie with Vincent doing nothing but leaning over him like he's the big man. Uh, yeah, beating on Stevie as we go off the air. Uh, and that was it for Thunder this week. Uh, what not a, a very we- we- wrestling... Wet fart of an end. Yeah. Really, like, I thought... Because the crowd were chatting for Goldberg. I didn't think Goldberg was going to come out, but I thought someone was going to come out because I was like, this is hardly an end. Because, like... It's not like Stevie is a beloved babyface we, we really want to get saved. So it's like something has to happen here because it's a real, like, no one ca- no one's like, oh, God, poor Stevie. Well, see, here, you know? this is something that has literally just crossed my mind. Yeah, I'm guessing the idea was to get people thinking we were going to get a Harlem Heat versus Giant and Scott Hall title match. Yeah, because I Giant guess. and Hall are tag team champions. Yeah, in case I, you, I, in case you forgot, which you couldn't, you could be forgiven for forgetting. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe that's where they were going. Like I, I know they mentioned at the start of the show yeah. that like, is there an alliance between Jericho and the NWO? Mm. But you know, it's like Jericho just happened to be the one to you know pick up the win. It wasn't that they helped Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's I don't know. It, it's fucking strange. Yeah. Especially knowing where it goes. Yeah. And that's the end of the show. And I think it was like, I wouldn't say it was actively the worst Thunder we've ever done. But like, it was a very light on actual wrestling and things advancing on this show. I would say the only thing where things significantly advanced was that Four Corners match. Mm. You know, that advanced a story everything else felt like you were just watching Jimmer Livewire on a Saturday like where they're just this is the stuff that happened before and a lot of the stories were just kind of yeah holding patterns and filler Um, so I felt it was maybe the most inessential episode of Thunder so far if not the worst it it felt like um, half of the best stuff that happened on it were flashbacks from Nitro Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know? except for one flashback from Nitro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, look, I think we're going to get a few more episodes like this where it's just like, it's not necessarily a bad show. It's just mm. a show. Yeah. Just a show, I think, yeah, is the best way to uh, sum this up. Lee, give me your winners and losers from Thunder episode 28, please. Winners are... I'm going to say Raven, because I really enjoyed this promo, and then that match, I thought, was like the highlight of the show. Hmm. Um, Losers... Fucking, there's so many. (laughs) I don't know, like... Like anyone that had a match doesn't really come across as a loser because they were also nothing. If that makes mm. sense, um, I don't know. Us for having to watch the Warrior again. Yeah, I would actually lean on saying Warrior might be the big loser of this show because <clears throat> one, they hyped up his appearance on Monday so much, and then he didn't show up on this show, and two, because the reek of desperation off the commentary to make you believe that warrior is this still this big star that is relevant and that people care about was kind of overdid it to the point where there was just no credibility about it um so that might be the big loser for me uh our our finish counter brought to you by ludwig borga this week we only had six matches on thunder this week when we've like we've been averaging about nine or ten usually so that'll tell you where we're at uh, we had three clean finishes, two DQ slash countouts, and one interference leading directly to a finish. Um, so yeah, a very lackluster edition of the program, I think. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's going to do it for another episode of Days of Thunder. Thank you for, for rejoining us here after our, our three weeks away. Um, we will be back in, in two weeks uh, with another episode. In the meantime, please check out at WCW Thunder Pod on Twitter. That's where you can go. We absolutely we say it every single weekly, but we absolutely love hearing from people. Oh yeah, um, on Twitter, don't we? Oh yeah, we, like it's one of the best parts of like the build up to the show. Like our, you know, the bits in between recording the shows mm. is like interacting with people. Like you'll see, like I've put up a thing last night about like you know. A picture of the US title and asking people who does this remind them of or who do they think of yeah. and that's something I think both of us need to do a bit more, a bit more often and try yeah. and engage people yeah <clears throat> and we love hearing about people's thoughts on mm-hmm. when they're watching along with us we love hearing people's memories at the time if yeah. they remember watching this when they were younger we love hearing from people. We often get um, tweets or DMs about how much people are enjoying the podcast. And honestly, especially in the last couple of weeks, that has meant the absolute world to us um, in what has been a very hard couple of weeks to get through. Um, so we thank you for that. We, we hope that the Thunder Buddies keep with us mm-hmm. um, uh, and keep engaging with us uh, as much as possible. And we will make our, our level best effort to do the same for you. Um, I, I just want to say there was one particular DM that I know both of us got. Yeah, and like we we said to each other, like it really, really made our days. Yeah, like and, I, I and think the days that... following as well because yeah. it was just so sincere and so nice to receive. Yeah, that that almost more than anything helped us get back in the saddle mm-hmm. with a bit of enthusiasm this week. So we did. We always appreciate. Like we're not begging you to no, shower us with undeserved compliments, but like 
don't think that there is a like if you're thinking oh god like i don't want to waste their time by sending them a tweet or send them a dm about uh, what i thought about the show or anything like that don't ever think that we love reading it all uh whether it's stuff saying how much you're enjoying the show or it's stuff that you would like us to do or like us to cover to make the show better which is something we always try and strive to do we have a couple of exciting ideas coming up in the next couple of months mm-hmm. we think that we're trying to iron out the kinks on now um but always do do let us know what you're thinking uh, additionally of course we're over on instagram now at wcw thunderpod over there we're well behind on the beer reviews going up on there so i'll probably be spamming those over the next few days um we have a blog which is wcw thunder uh pod dot com. Uh, that's our Beyond the Thunder Road uh, blog. Uh, <laughs> my original idea for what I was going to do with my first series of blog posts is out the fucking window. Yeah. Uh, because much as I still love the promotion that I was going to be covering, one of the prominent figures uh, across that whole run of shows I was going to be looking at is uh, one of the people who will hopefully never work in this business or be heard from again. Um, so I'm still grappling as to what I'm going to do as my first series, but I think within a few weeks I'll have I'll have figured out something to do well, or to put up on there. I started watching 1983 WCCW, so you know, oh, I might write something about that. Who knows? Um, and there's definitely not any problematic people in 80s Texas wrestling, no, or in 90s WCW. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway yeah that's uh, another episode of Thunder in the Bag thanks for joining us we'll be back in two weeks Thunder episode 29 uh, thanks for joining us look after yourselves and we'll see you bye bye breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside